Well, I'm so excited to have Catherine Queering here today. She is a licensed trauma therapist, self-trust coach, and ex-evangelical herself, which will be very helpful for us to talk about today. And you help ex-evangelicals learn to trust their desires and reconnect to their inner wisdom. Um, she's the creator of Trust Yourself Again program, Reclaim Your Inner Compass After Leaving Evangelical Subculture, and she is trained in trauma modalities, IFS and EMDR, which permeate her work. Thank you so much for being here, Catherine. You're welcome. It's such a pleasure. So to start off with, um, would you be willing to just introduce yourself to us as a person, as a professional, and also I'm really curious about your spiritual journey from evangelical to ex-evangelical. Absolutely. Um, so I have two little kids, two and a half and five and a half. Um, so I spend a lot of time playing with them and running around yeah. after them. <laughs> and um, anytime I get time off, I love paddleboarding. It's my favorite or kayaking. Just oh, being fun. out on the water is amazing. Yeah. Um, so that's my, you know, go to. Um, and I've done so much <laughs> thinking about my deconstruction there, actually. And um part of where I've ended up recently is really connecting with mother earth and being a part of the ecosystem here as, um, humans and Mm. that we get to be part of that instead of over that. And that we get to connect to and respect the sacred in us and in all of the earth around us. And that's been so healing for me. Um, and so, yeah, being out on the water has been, or in nature, has just been a real healing and connecting place for me in this journey. I'm really meeting you for the first time here, which is really neat. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, man, I have so many questions already. But yeah, why don't you just take us back to the beginning? You know, Catherine, as a child, um, I mean, I know we can't spend maybe like hours and hours because I know it would take so long. But just how did that inform your spirituality and, and where you are today? Start. Yeah, I, I would love it back from back there to now. Yeah, condensed so however you I grew want up in a large right I know <laughs> uh, large Southern Baptist Church and um, there was all the Christianese around that and the pressure to get saved and um, you know born again and pray the sinner's prayer and all that stuff and that actually was the first time I remember an internal disconnection from myself was when there was a like child evangelist um, evangelist that came to our church, which also had red carpet, by the way, all the blood. We had the blood hymns, the blood carpet. Oh, wow. Kind of crazy. Oh, what? Um, <laughs> when I was a kid. Um, and this child evangelist came. And I remember I had just felt connected to myself, connected to God, like free in the world in general. Before that, like there's obviously things that you're interpreting. But the moment that he was like, you are a sinner at your core, right? And whatever the message was, and you know, you're going to hell unless you pray this prayer to invite Jesus into your heart, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, oh gosh, I better do that. Like, I, in retrospect, I, that moment was so shocking to me and to my system. And I wouldn't know until recently to call that a form of trauma that any moment that you have that kind of shock and I don't know what to do with this and I feel frozen and then okay I need to fix this right Mm -hmm. um that someone is these authorities in my lives outside of me are telling me that I must not be connected with God and um so okay well they must know what's best so I'm going to do this thing that they're telling me is the thing to do to be safe and Mm -hmm. to be a good member of this community right and I was seven wow um and then after that I remember really watching myself and trying to be a good Christian and like everything was willpower after that. And I felt like I was sidestepping myself a lot is what I called it. That was kind of my awareness of it at the time Um, that like I couldn't ever get back to my core because I wasn't allowed to have lots of different feelings and experiences. I wasn't allowed to have anger. I wasn't allowed to set boundaries. I wasn't allowed to. So this is me, right? Allowing that inside from the messages I'm getting. Um, it, there was a lot of, I have to, I have to share, I have to be good. I have to do the right thing. I have to obey my parents. I have to honor them. I have to be helpful all the time. I have to help anyone I see that's in trouble. I have to, have to, have to, right. Mm -hmm. And there was so much have to's 
in my system that led to a lot of rigidity and like externally I was a great kid right so like I think Mm. my parents didn't really know they loved it but like I was much more obedient (laughs) I was um you know model kid um was really really close to my mom and um not very close to peers and like very close to God so now I've been able to look back and call that like codependency with both God and my mom and um this way that I was taught to trust the authorities over me for everything and so there was a sense that like my whole internal world is like a glass house um like Alice Miller wrote that in uh the drama The Gifted Child which I read in uh clinical psychology um later um in life and Mm -hmm. I was like oh that's that um this idea that there is nowhere private there is nowhere safe because God is basically supposed to invade your life so like now I call that like colonization of our inner worlds right like it is part of this whole way of being in the world and knowing God and interacting with other people that's about dominion and colonization and control and obedience and so those of us who had privilege like I'm a white thin woman who had a lot of resources and a lot of privileges and that's the way that I was supposed to internalize that way of being in the world and that was also really crushing inside but I didn't have all the barriers outside too I didn't have you know all of the stuff that people of color and um, first peoples have had to deal with around that Um, so that's the extra layer of how that shows up outside right Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm going to go back to the like how that felt inside in that colonization is that I was not, I did not feel like I was allowed to have any emotions other than gratitude, like worshipfulness to God, um, closeness, like sugary, sweet closeness, um, all that kind of stuff. I did feel like I had a lot of freedom with like hobbies or interest and things like that. So it was really interesting that it felt really like moral categories or like religious moral categories felt different than ones that were deemed just neutral, I guess. Right. Mm, Yeah. Um, But there was so much emphasis too on like surrendering to God to go into the ministry. Like I remember all of that kind of stuff and even those messages around like that, the right thing to do, the thing that God wants you to do is the thing that you do not want to do. Yes, right. That I you were fighting, that. kicking, and screaming. Oh my gosh! Right. That it's teaching you one. Everything in your internal world is going to be viewed by God, and God is going to say this is good or this is not good. I'm going to be near you or not be near you based on that. So you better hide anything that God wouldn't like, even from yourself in your inner world. Mm. And then two, anything that feels good, you can't trust. Right. Yeah. That's a like lustful desire, or that's like something bad that is going to become an idol that you can't, you know, you can't even enjoy this neutral thing because it could detract you from God. And then the things that don't feel good that you're kicking and screaming against are the things that God wants you to do to sacrifice, right? That like this elevation of self-sacrifice and this really um, misunderstanding of human nature and divorcing us from what teaches us how to na- and enables us to navigate the world, right? So like our emotions help us navigate experiences. I was just rewatching Inside Out this morning, which is just mm. such a great little film. And I was like, yes, <laughs> this is yeah. like exactly that, right? This idea that like Joy was trying to get Riley in this movie through a really hard transition and if she did it in the way that we were told, which is how I was told, just be positive, just be grateful, yeah. you know, think of all the things that are good, that's going to get you through it. Like, she was not able to get through it that way, right? <laughs> like, yeah. you have to have sadness, you have to have anger, you have to have these other emotions to help you get, they're like our gifts to get through things, kind of like our, we need our stomach to process our food, we need our emotions to process our experiences, And they are just information and just ways of processing to get through. They are not anything to judge or to be scared of. But in this environment that we grew up in evangelical culture, we were taught to be scared of our own emotions. We were taught to be scared of our body sensations 
and to distance ourselves from them and like leave our bodies, right? So we end up just being numb and frozen and um, dissociated and all of that kind of stuff. So that's like an internal picture of what was happening growing up. Um, okay. You know, I can talk about external, but I think that to me feels less re- relevant. And mm. um, part of it maybe just I really live in my internal world a lot. And I'm kind of curious about anybody that doesn't, what their experience has been like, because yeah, <laughs> it's like right? so much of my experience um, is how that felt internally and healing that and reconnecting to myself and making my internal world safe. And for me, that started shifting when I went to college and actually went to Wheaton College. So it was a Christian, like fairly conservative college. Um, But it was so much wider and broader and more expansive than what I had before. Um, And so it helped me start opening up to like, oh, okay, Um, I can start healing some of these things from the Southern Baptist upbringing that I had. And, um, I can learn like where the Bible came from and like, you don't have to interpret it literally and you don't have to be scared of your emotions and, um, God can be really loving and a shepherd doesn't have to be like all about conviction and accusation and like, um, excessive introspection and stuff like that. So, um, I was doing a lot of that kind of work. Um, and then, I went to um, grad school for clinical psychology and started learning about what emotions are really like, like how our behaviors are really just a function of how we're trying to meet our needs and how we're trying to cope. And they're not something that you need to judge as like sinful or not sinful. And so, you know, like I kept that, that was part of my like healing and deconstruction. Um, I don't think I really changed a lot of my beliefs ex- Internally, I just was healing my internal world and my emotional relationship to myself and to God. And that's always been my focus. And then the doctrine would follow. And for me, um, as an Enneagram 2 who's like feeling oriented to the world and so in tune with my inner world, that's what came first for me. And it's mm. funny because now that I've in this past year, like so much, it's just like the house of cards has fallen down kind of thing. Um, uh, after really doing a deep dive into religious trauma, um, all the doctrines have been like, well then like, why, why would I believe original sin? Why would I believe Mm. in like penal substitutionary atonement? Right. That means my core being has to be evil or sinful. And like, I don't believe that. And so then Christ doesn't, you know, come to die for our sins. Okay. That's really different. Right. Like, hell doesn't matter. Like we're actually really safe. Like, you know, those kinds of things have felt really revolutionary to the people around me, (laughs) I think. And for me, it's felt like that's the logical conclusion to the internal work I've done. Um, and you mentioned IFS at the beginning, right? That that's one of the frameworks I use for healing trauma. And that's really what's helped me do the heavy lifting of most of my um, healing from religious trauma was going through like all the different burdens I had inside of messages from religious trauma. So like be in the world, but not of it was one of the like huge ones. It felt like an anvil inside. Um, and once I removed that and it, and like all the other ones, it was like, from parts of me had to be in the hospital and like there was a lot of like, okay, and have these feelings and I can have this space and have more autonomy. I can have more self-acceptance. I can reconnect with myself on a deeper level. And once all of that was kind of at ground zero, that's when I started connecting with Mother Earth. It was like once I knew I was like really securely attached to myself and was just like, I don't need to worry about God or the divine or whatever. That's I'm just going to put that over there. When I had space that I wanted to connect to the divine again, it was Mother Earth. And it was like goddess language and um, that kind of stuff that's really helped me be fully in my body and be like, for me, it feels like in my proper place in the earth. Um, So, you know, like I mentioned that instead of over, like I am with, like Mm. I am (laughs) in this earth and I 
one of the things that helped me with that was reading Caitlin Curtis's book, Native, because she talks about her connection to Mother Earth and that really helped with that. And The Dance of the Dissident Daughter by Sue Monkkid. Um, mm. It's kind of her memoir and her leaving evangelical culture and like moving into more goddess connection. And that was really helpful and empowering. And I did a um, anti-oppressive therapist training and that's, that's really when the house of cards fell down because I was like, I can't support any religion that is about hierarchy and is about dominion and is about empire. And when has Christianity not been about that? Mm. (laughs) Like, I don't know. Like, why would I want to read the Bible about that? I know that there's a lot of um, interpretations that I think can be helpful. Um, Like original blessing theology and, um, seeing like liberation theology of like the anti-oppressive nature of different parts of the Bible. Um, but for me, it's felt like I just, the Bible does not feel like a helpful thing to read anymore, like frame of reference. Um, except that I really do resonate with Jesus and that's been a progression too, that I finally had space to like connect with Jesus again. But I really appreciate him as an anti-oppressive figure who was really deeply connected with himself and able to say and be in the world in an unapologetic way. Um, And so I think right now it feels like that's what I'm embodying and living into. Um, And so it's kind of interesting that that that's been my place of where I've landed, but really what feels the most important to me in being present with others and helping them is how do you connect with yourself and have Mm -hmm. a secure connection with yourself and really be able to live in your body and listen to yourself. And then whatever comes from that with like any connection to spirituality or not, like that's up to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's really powerful. I actually think that's extremely powerful. Um, Recently I did a post about, if people who still would call themselves Christians and be under that umbrella, we have, you know, these commands, love others as yourself. Mm -hmm. But the truth is we've been taught to hate ourselves. Right. And so to me, the work that you do and the work others are doing like this, there's so many Christians that are more conservative theologically who would say, you know, Oh no, that's against God or whatever. That's not, you're not supposed to. And it's like, but why not? When you read these things, it's almost like to me, I read it and that's the baseline. (laughs) We're supposed to know how to do that. So we can do the next step, you know, and this is of course from a Christian frameworking, but um, I think that's, it's really powerful that, I think the work you're doing can, like you said, it can help people no matter really what direction they end up going. They can, it's just, we've been taught to completely bypass like this natural progression of learning Mm -hmm. how to be a human, you know, it's just wild. And I love um, Lisa Miller's work. She's studied, she's a psychologist who studied spirituality for like 25 years and done research about like what is helpful about spirituality and what's not. Mm. And um, that, what is helpful is when you are able to perceive that you are held, loved, guided, and never alone. That's her mm. phrase. And it's not that you have dogma around it. It's not that you believe it. It's not that you're using willpower. It's not that you are praying and doing and saying the right things to go to heaven. It's that you have enough connection to yourself that you're able to perceive um, and be open to awe and mystery and uncertainty and connection and those kind of things that um, that's what allows you to connect to what's positive. Right. And then mm. there's so much language in Christianity about like God holding you and loving you and, you yeah. know, like underneath are the everlasting arms looking for that. Yeah. Verse. <laughs> yeah. um, but the way that it's given in those settings does not feel loving. Yeah. Right. It does not feel like there's space. And the other thing I was going to say that she, um, I really loved it was part of her research is that spiritual exploration is part of our developmental journey, just like any other developmental need we have, just like learning Mm. how to walk, just like getting autonomy as teenagers, going through this phase of examining our beliefs and examining how we connect to ourselves and the world. That is a really 
important part of our development as humans. And instead, it, the way that evangelical shows up, evangelicalism shows up is like you have to double down on your beliefs, right? You have to yeah. prove it. I mean, you went to apologetics, like you yeah. apologetics, right? Like that's <laughs> yes. all about that. It's like <laughs> double down and tell everybody else exactly what to believe, right? And also, you know, I don't I'm sure you've heard this growing up when people would be like, we've, we do have to double down because look at how many people leave when they go to college. It's all about like, look how many right. people have left church or don't go. And it's right. like, right. why is this automatically bad? Well, right. it's bad because you think one avenue is the only avenue. Yeah, I think that's actually more helpful <laughs> Way, uh, direction to go than I was going. I, I think I like to talk about the difference between impact and or like intent and impact. Right. So hmm. it sounds like in those places, their intent is supposedly good. Right. Like to themselves, the intent is we don't want you to fall away from God. We want you to be safe. Right. Yeah. And because it's so rigid there's not space to examine the impact. Like, why are people leaving? What do they not like, right? Instead of just blaming them for backsliding and that this is the only way then to come back and be right with God and for us to accept you and God to accept you is like, can we examine the impact? Oh, I, love um, that. I really love in the Netflix documentary, Pray Away. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's about the no. um, um conversion therapy and okay. oh the people gosh. that were really involved in <laughs> wow. promoting that. And I wish the thing that was hard for me about watching it is that I wish there was like an apology from those people, like a, a more clear, we really get that what we did was harmful. Um, mm. And there wasn't, there was just more like, Oh yeah, we're leaving that. That's that. Um, and kind of explaining where they were at for some of the really big people in the movement who were also yeah. gay and saying like, this is the right thing to do to leave it. The part that I really loved is that there was this meeting that some of the leaders from Exodus Ministries had with people that had gone through their, either their conversion therapy programs or other ones. And they actually listened to the impact it had on these people. And once they heard the negative impact it had, they said, okay, we're going to close our doors. Like this is, we can't do this anymore. And like wow. that amount of like really listening right without judgment without like we know what's right and we're just kind of giving you this time but then we're gonna like throw our our arguments at you um that i think is the key to our future like that is the key if anything is going to change is that ability to be present and curious and compassionate and listen to others and that just like astounded me um, so that's really stuck with me. Wow. Um, yeah. What was the name of that documentary again? Pray Away. So like Pray Away pray the Gayness, away. basically. Oh my gosh. Okay. I got to put that on my list. <laughs> I've not seen that. Oh man. Well, wow. This is already, I'm like, I'm in a therapy session with you. Um, <laughs> so here we go. Um, but I, I really wanted to talk to you also about how religious, um, especially evangelical messages and pressures lead us to do this disconnect from ourselves and, our, and, and this distrust, especially. Yeah. Um, and because I know you, you've already touched on this. And I, I know that it's a big part of what you do is to teach us to trust ourselves again and be embodied. Right. And I love that that's what you're doing right. in your own you know, journey as well. So could you just tell us a little bit more about what that looks like and, and what you have found to be helpful for people who are wanting to achieve that? Yeah. So the kind of steps that I've outlined for that and that are in my program are one reflecting on what were the systems like and what were the specific messages that taught you not to trust yourself, right? So like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, right? Like trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. On all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight, right? The fear of the God is the beginning of all wisdom. Like draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Like all of these, um, like come thou fount of every blessing, you know, like prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love, right? Like there's so many messages in the Christianese that we use, the verses that are in, and how they're taught, the um, songs that we sing that are like, you can't trust yourself. And I think it probably mostly goes back to like Augustinian theology so like yeah. saint augustine who i'm guessing is an enneagram seven for any of the enneagram people out there oh, um, interesting. like was he was really into pleasure and like 
until he thought at some point, this is keeping me from God. And so his solution to that was, that has been codified into dogma and Christianity, is my body is evil. My body is holding all these desires. And so if I consider my body and like flesh evil, right, and any of the desires coming from it, then I can like escape it and become godly, right? Mm. And that is kind of the start of original sin and like our bodies being untrustworthy. And then that's just been compounded on in the different ways that Western Christianity has um, expounded, right? So then you have Descartes, like mind over matter, right? Like just what your mind thinks is important. Like all of our like uh, empirical, logical thinking is the thing that is going to save us, right? And this focus on transcendence to God and escaping this earthly world, escaping our bodies, um, instead of being able to, even within Christian theology, think about Jesus' humanity and God with us. And the word I've been using a lot and that has been really important to me with Mother Earth is eminence. So like being rooted and connected to the ground and grounded and centered is a really important part of my spirituality and my health just as much as being like transcendent. And so having both of those together um, is really, really important. So anyway, I got kind of like off on a tangent about that. But um, (laughs) so we go through like all of those messages so that you can see this is the framework that you were living in, right? And then there's all of the like systemic things that I started mentioning before about patriarchy and colonization and empire and like all of those things too. And that's like a fear-based system. And so if you're able to step back and say, this is what I was taught, do I actually have to believe this, right? Like I can have enough separation from it to see I can choose if I want to believe this or not. Who is this benefiting? Like, why would I just need to believe that this is wholesale truth or from God or whatever reality? Um, And then we go to let's have a process to release any of those beliefs and messages that are not serving me anymore. Mm. Right. And how can I, invite and give myself permission to let them go how can I actually work on my body letting that stress go and the need to be constantly alert to certain things right and to be able to approach myself mindfully and so that gets into then the next step is reconnecting with yourself and part of that is just noticing can I notice my emotions my body sensations being in my body with curiosity and compassion instead of judgment or, um, you know, even moving from like from judgment to evaluation to then curiosity, right? Like sometimes it's just like taking the edge of judgment out or like, Oh, okay. (laughs) That's some judgment about that. I don't have to accept that as part of myself and I can reconnect to my core self is actually good. And it's okay if I don't believe that yet, but I can start, thinking about that as a different framework and internal family systems is a therapeutic framework and also a more compassionate like view of humanity that I use as kind of a ground um, groundwork for that. And in that understanding of the world, our core selves already have pretty much everything we need in them. So we already have compassion, curiosity, courage, um, creativity, connectedness, confidence, more choices. I always forget one. I'm forgetting a couple, but mm-hmm. oh, calm that we have all of these good things within us. And as we start releasing the burdens, we find more and more of that. And so that becomes our grounding place and centering place and connection with ourselves that we can actually really embrace the goodness of ourselves and not just look at our reactions with mindfulness, but we can actually see that I have a part inside of me, you could call it your highest wisest self, your core self that is able to take care of the other parts of myself. It can be what I needed God to be. It can be what I needed my parents to be. It can be what 
I wish I'd been able to do for myself when I was younger and now, and I actually have a part of me that can be that loving, guiding figure that can hold me and give me the strength and solidity and compassion and presence that I need. And the part of the healing process is then bringing like the burdens to that part of us and witnessing and saying like, yeah, I see you. I hear you. You don't, you're not alone anymore. You don't have to hold this by yourself anymore. You can be safe and let that go and we can find new ways of being. And so that's part of that process of reconnecting to self. And as we're doing that, we get to reclaim parts of ourselves that either were hidden away, right? So parts that held anger that weren't okay, parts that held like desire for autonomy, um, like uh, sexuality, embodiment, like all of these things that we were not allowed to have without shame before that we get to be like, this is a good part of us and I can reclaim that part of me. And I can even reclaim the parts of me that help me survive this evangelical subculture, right? That um, now I would like them to be able to let that go and be in my body and in my internal system in a different way that feels better now. Um, But I can also thank them for helping me through that. Um, So for example, like a part of you that's holding guilt, right? Like we were taught to have a lot of guilt (laughs) in our systems. That's part of what kept us in line, right? Is this internal policing through guilt and shame And we can say like, thank you for that. And can you see that what you were trying to help me with, that danger is not there anymore. And the pain inside that you're trying to keep me from, we're healing that. And so you don't, I I don't have to feel guilty about that. I can say like, wow, that means that system or that person is holding a lot of fear or a need to control or whatever. I can see that it's about them. It's not about me. I don't have to blame myself for that that part of me can help me in a different way, right? So that's an example of like, there's so many parts that you can reclaim like that. Um, Like for me, the like good Christian girl parts, like I got to reclaim them to be in my system a different way Um, and coexist with and love the parts of me that are um, different and loud and crazy and like angry and whatever that didn't fit in that Christian mold. And that they can love each other and, like, be so happy to be together. Um, I've talked to a lot of people recently who the um, metaphor from the show Wednesday that was also on Netflix um, was really helpful because they're like, I can have Wednesday parts and I can have Sunshine um, Enid parts. And, like, both can be friends. (laughs) Like, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. They can love each other and, like, support each other. And so, like, that can happen in my internal world, too. Um, and then from that, I can emerge like more grounded and whole and trusting myself and that anything that comes up within myself, I can welcome it as a part of me that just feels alone or hurt or doesn't know that I'm safe yet. That's trying to protect me in a way that feels too strong or intense. And I could say like, Hey, let's have a conversation about that. Like, (laughs) let's update you to where I am now that we're not back there anymore. Um, and so we can do things differently. That's really so, beautiful. Yeah. I wanted to, um, say a couple things cause I can hear yeah. in the back of my head, my, our Christian listen. some, we still have some, um, mm-hmm. kind of more, uh, I guess evangelical, even Christian listeners. Yeah. And That's cool. some of them will probably have this, this glitch of like, Oh no, I, I, I can doubt the Bible. No, I shouldn't. Like, I can't even go right. there or, Oh, yeah, yeah, being yeah. capable. Okay. No, right. no, I shouldn't. And, right. and right. as I kind of wanted to say, it kind of like we touched on earlier, as far as um, you, I, th- I feel like us being capable and trusting ourselves is actually already in the Bible, ironically, even though I don't yeah. necessarily interact with the Bible mm-hmm. like some would. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I think it's a, this is something I don't think we realize isn't necessarily, um, I hate to use the word biblical, but kind of yeah. in the sense right. that I think our system of Christianity has made us think we are not supposed to trust ourselves and and you can definitely get it from the bible but i don't think we realize Mm -hmm. how much the christian culture has played into that and so the idea that if people are listening to you and thinking Mm -hmm. she's telling us to doubt verses well Mm, those verses that have only gotten to us through interpretation so to be able to have trust our own inner compass first 
Right. It's hugely right. important if you want to right. return to the Bible. Right. Like it's still yeah, hugely exactly. important. Yep. And I also wanted to say for some of the people who are like, no, 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 I need to be broken and dependent on Christ. Like that, right. you know, when I'm weak, right. I'm strong. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is something yeah. I was taught all growing right. up. And I think right. we have to remember, why is it intrinsically better to be broken and right. uncapable and right. be used for God's kingdom than to be healed? Right. To be able right. to trust yourself and know right. your capabilities. Right. You know, if if the right. best you can be is broken and un incapable. Is it incapable? <laughs> not yeah, it's incapable, right. not incapable. Right. But if that's the best you right. can be, that sounds like right. someone who's trying to abuse you. That doesn't sound like the good God we've been sold on. Exactly. Right. And so I just want to say this disclaimer for if there's people who are like, oh, kind of shutting out some of like I feel right. like you're giving extremely valuable advice to people who maybe yeah. are even still in the framework. But I don't want yes. them to shut and it out because of those things. Right, right. Things. And it really yeah. depends on where you're at, where each mm-hmm. person is at. And um, yeah, you don't have to throw out anything you don't want to throw out. You don't have to throw anything out that's helpful to you. Um, and that's why I say like even that beginning parts for me, I was still so rooted in Christianity. It just, and it just doesn't fit me now but like I'm actually I'm married to a pastor I'm still in church every week like I (laughs) I'm not in the church because the Christianese is (laughs) so we can talk about that yeah (laughs) the Christianese really is triggering to me um and the like emphasis on piety and guilt and like introspection and like that kind of thing and not every branch of Christianity does that um so yeah I I want to speak to that a little bit and then I'll get back to like me being in church and yes. um, kind of where things yeah, are now. I could so, talk to you all day. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So where I was talking about like my slice of finding healthier ways, like when I was just had left my Southern Baptist, like place that didn't, those ways of being did not feel helpful to me, but I was still so rooted in the Bible. Like, I would walk around memorizing Bible verses and like, I did not like give myself a second of rest. So like, that was not good, but like still like immersed in like scripture is the thing. Right. And, but the things that I was focusing on were different because I was in even some evangelical churches, um, that focused more on Jesus as being loving and being a shepherd and being kind and So some of the first things that I did was just, can I talk to God like he's a real person? And the book, The Papa Prayer by Larry Crabb at that point was really helpful for me of like getting rid of the Christianese. So I feel like I'm actually talking to God, not just like saying all the like, oh, I'm saying the really nice, important prayer that sounds good, right? Um, Of just like, okay, I'm just talking with God like I would talk with a friend and like I would talk with a person. And that was really helpful and separating the like loving voices I had inside from the like negative critical ones and saying like anything that would come from God is going to be loving. God's conviction does not feel. So even if like you, that's important to you is to listen for God's conviction. Like that's okay. You can still find a place that feels healthy in that, right? Just because that doesn't fit for me anymore. doesn't mean it doesn't for you. And that it feels loving. It feels like freedom. It feels like wholeness. It feels like relief it doesn't feel like guilt and accusation and judgment, right? That like really honing on like, what is God actually like? And can I let go of the ways that I've been taught? God is um, judgmental or toxic or um, expects too much from me. Like coming to the place where I was like, God made me a human and he expects me to be human and that's okay, right? Like, so like God doesn't expect anything else out of me. God's yeah. happy with me and so I don't have to be afraid of God turning away from me. I don't have to like, um, I, I remember there was one time where like I was envisioning myself just like beating on Jesus's chest and like letting all the anger out and then I can be angry at Jesus. I can be angry at God. I can be angry, um, at anything I need to be angry at. And God is not phased, right? That like God was bigger than that. And that was really healing, right? That I can be all of myself 
and I can connect with myself. And contemplative traditions were really helpful to me at that point, especially as I've said, like I'm such an internal person. And so Taize and like more liturgical churches were really helpful to me because I could just kind of sit in the rhythm and I could be present with myself and I could be present with God. And that was really healing. Um, so I think wherever you are, there, there doesn't have to be a like, this is the end destination of my journey, right? Or like where I'm at has to change. It's just, can I be where I'm at with some compassion and curiosity? Like really that's it. Like the qualities that I mentioned of our core selves, it's like being Jesus to ourselves are letting like the true qualities of Jesus in, right? Without invading us, without judging us or telling us we have to get rid of some part of us to be okay. Hmm. That is so beautiful. It's so funny because I, I'm thinking back to all these times where I've been given messages like, oh, you know, God won't force himself on you, all this stuff. Right. And it's like, it's all, right. it's kind of there right. in, right. in words. Right. But the way right. we actually, mm -hmm. it's like, okay, we have these messages. It's good. God's good. God's fair. And right. then, right. but then the way it actually plays out in us right. internally right. does not feel right. anything like right. that. Yep. So that's really interesting. So could yep. you talk for a second about also um, how institutionally, systematically, yeah. we are taught to mistrust ourselves, gaslight ourselves, you know, only trust in external authorities and, and right. how that plays um, into part of the healing. Well, it doesn't play so into I, how getting rid of that does <laughs> play to healing. Right. So I'd like to speak to that example that you just gave. Um, so we are taught these qualities of God, right? Um, all powerful, omniscient, um, like always good, always loving, always present in there for you. Like all of these things that we're taught that um, can be really helpful. Um, and also if you're not allowed to have any feelings about that, that is where we get squashed inside, right? So it's part of the system not being able to tolerate having feelings about these beliefs we've been given about God, right? So if we're going to say like, God is always all loving. Well, guess what? If I don't feel like God is loving right now because my brother just died or something, right? Like it is okay for me to feel that way and God can handle it. That does not yeah. mean that I'm sinning, that is just grief. It does not mean that um, my relationship with God is um, like on the rocks or that there's any tension there or that God's not there for me, right? Like that truth that God is present is still there and it's okay if I don't feel God. It's okay if I'm angry at God. It's okay if I don't understand and I'm like, I, I hate God right now, right? Like we go through this with our parents too, right? Like, in general, if we're allowed to, is this like, I have all these feelings about this authority figure or this person that is supposedly like, you know, controlling the world, um, as well as the people are, you know, controlling the little life in the house that I'm in. Um, and that ideally, if your parents are emotionally mature and understand this, they're capable of saying like, it's okay if they say they hate me. I know it's just the way of expressing they're upset about this right? And they don't take it personally and they don't take offense, right? And that's this wider conception, I think, that we need about what we're saying about God, right? And that is that perception that we are held, loved, held, guided, and never alone, right? They're like, it is not dependent on us, which we've heard over and over, like in the <laughs> yeah. things that we're but, taught. But we don't actually, yeah. <laughs> right. And I, I think part of that is the systems, which I'll get back to in a minute, and the dogma. And part of that is our attempts at humans to create certainty, to deal with the um, difficulty of having uncertainty in this life, right? And so then we use God and our dogma and our beliefs to try to create that certainty. And that's where we get these spiritual bypassing and these like throwing out just beliefs like we'll just pray more just believe more well it's your problem you better go out. like all of those kind of um sound bites that are just telling you well 
this is the way it is, you better fix it, right? Instead of being able to sit with you and be present and be a manual, right? Be like, it's okay wherever you're at and be able to tolerate that. Um, that is where we're able to move through those things in life instead of, well, the only way to get through this is to double down and I must be wrong. And right, that's where part of that mistrust comes in, right? It's like, well, I must be wrong. I must have done something wrong. I must have to change this, right? And that's where these beliefs about the stability of God can be used in an unhelpful way is when we're taught, well, then we're the ones that have to change instead of like, we can have whatever feelings are and that doesn't yeah. affect anything. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't have to be something to be scared of. Yeah. Um, and then that is somehow like put into this whole system of ways of being, right? That there's so much emphasis on who's in and who's out and this like carte blanche to like judge each other to make sure we're right with God instead of, can I just be present and listen and support? Hmm. What would that be like? What if I don't have to know if this person's right with God or not? What if I don't have to be the arbiter of that? What if I can just be present and support for myself and all my feelings for other people and all their feelings? Like, is that possible? That is what Jesus would do, right? I mean, that's what he just hung out with all the people that were feeling and doing whatever they were doing, right? The only people he had harsh words were were the people that were like, this is the only way to do it. <laughs> so I, I think being able to understand that certainty is not actually bringing us closer to God. It is our attempt at clarity. It is our attempt at understanding the world. But really what we need is clarity. Mm. That's so and clarity good. only comes when we're trusting ourselves. Man, that's so good. So I feel like I need to like pay you for this therapy session right now. <laughs> Thank you so much. I think that's so good. Um, yeah. So good. Um, one last point to hit about... For those of us going through this process, I, I wanted to talk about um, how we are codependent, anxiously attached to God. Could you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that? Because when I, when I was reading about this, I thought, this is so interesting. I've heard this, of course, with other relationships, but it's not something we mm -hmm. ever think about concerning God. At least I hadn't really. Um, right. Not, not until my deconstruction, I guess. But yeah, tell us a little bit about what you have been um, exploring when exploring those attachment styles concerning God. Yeah. So I think it's a little bit like the, um, attempt at clarity, right. That turns into certainty is that, um, this gift of evangelicalism is this personal relationship with God, right. That God is very deeply personal and wants to connect with us. And the, dark side of that, the underbelly of how it gets implemented is that there's a lot of policing about that and pressure about that and judgment about that is how you know you're right with God. That is how you know you're going to heaven is if you feel close to God, right? And these beliefs that we were um, taught, that we were talking about earlier, that's like, well, if anybody, if, if you don't feel close to God, God is perfect. God never changes. And so it must have been you. You better fix it. Right. Instead of being have, able to have this wider view of whatever your feelings are, it's okay. Right. Like feelings are neutral. Feelings are information. Feelings are the way that we process the world. And feelings don't tell us about our relationship with God, they don't tell us about how safe we are eternally. Feelings are just feelings. And they've really been weaponized, I think, um, in this. And we are told that this is how we're supposed to know that we are a good Christian, that we are connected with God, that we're saved, right? Is not only the behaviors that people see outside, but like the fruits of the spirit, right? Like if I'm not feeling loving, oh no, I must not be close to God. If I'm not feeling generous, if I'm not feeling patient, if I don't have self-control, right? Then we're taught to think that there is something wrong. We must not be connected with God because God would give us that, right? 
if we're connected with Jesus, <laughs> like have the Holy Spirit in us, then that's what would be happening, right? And it's really unreasonable expectations for people um, and not expectations that God has. And so there's all this pressure around this relationship being good. And I think there's also this emphasis on it being like infantilized in a way, or like you are only supposed to relate to God like a young child does to a parent, right? You obey, you listen, you trust them implicitly, you don't question their perspective on things, right? There's no space to be a teenager. There's no space to be a young adult. There's no space to be an adult, right? Um, um, and, but there's this talk about maturing in God in Christ, right? But the, the way that it's given to us is that, that we will believe with more certainty, right? Which is not the case, right? It's more that like, we know we're held no matter what. Man, that's, um, I've never thought these thoughts before. <laughs> that's so interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting to think about. Childlike faith is like elevated as top tier, you know, and, and the funny thing is I went back to read about childlike faith because I've wanted to post about that. And it's, mm. it, at least the verse I was thinking of, it doesn't even say childlike faith. It says whoever will receive the kingdom of God, like a child, like it's, it's yeah. different. There's right. differences. There's things right. we've been taught again right. with the Christian culture. Right. right. That it, and it's just I so would say those are those like lovely unburdened young parts of us that are able to embrace playfulness and wonder and um, a lack of self-consciousness, not a lack of self-connection, but self-consciousness, yeah. right? Um, lack of introspection, but an awareness of our inner world, which is interoception, which is this yeah. healthy listening to ourselves, right? And just like, okay, yeah. that helps me be in the world. Just like, I mean, I have little kids, like I said, and... They express their feelings and then they move on. Yeah, yeah. Like they scream, they get angry, they have their tantrum, they have their whatever feelings about it. It's the worst day ever, mommy. And then like 10 minutes later, they're okay and they're doing something fun. This is the best day ever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they have never once thought that their relationship with me is in jeopardy. Yeah. Oh, that's so Right. True. And yeah. so I think that is the essence of, childlike faith right is that you can be silly you don't have yeah. to believe the right things you can be like whatever you need to be yeah that's so good so before we close out I, I do want to just touch briefly on you uh, being in church still yeah being right. you said a pastor's wife just briefly because <laughs> I know a big dilemma yeah. for a lot of people right now is you know how do I coexist in, in both spaces should I coexist in both spaces um right. mm -hmm. is it safe to and I just you know I know we can't answer everyone's situation in, in one talk but for you right how has that played out what's what's that been like so um for me when I met my husband um he's uh in the PCUSA church and he grew up around a lot of friends um who were in more of this type of evangelical church that I grew up in and like Southern Baptist and like all the different ways that that shows up, the more fundamentalist literal kind of readings of things, right. That he knew what it was like to be with them, but he wasn't, he didn't have those burdens internally for himself. And he is just so non-judgmental and so present. And, um, his faith has never had those things be a part of it, which is just interesting to me. And that, um, it, that was really helpful to me that I could see that Christians who did not believe the Bible literally were safe because I was told they weren't right. I was told to be suspicious that they were like the slippery slope to hell. Right. And that was a really helpful door for me to walk through was to go to the church that he was um, an assistant pastor in at that point when we met and be like, wow, these people love Jesus too. It's a great place. Like, yeah, <laughs> why are they supposed yeah. to be scared of this? And there was a lot more freedom there for me and less of the, what feels to me like navel gazing, like focus on 
guilt and policing your behaviors and your feelings and like the emphasis on that. And there was a lot more emphasis on just loving God and loving your neighbor. And that is great. That was really good to me. And to have a community that can do that in a way that's safe and um, healthy and like people are people. So there's always a lot of drama, but there is a system that is not bypassing and not telling you you can't feel that or think that or that you're wrong. Um, there is not any guilt language. You can ask any questions you want to ask, like, and it doesn't jeopardize anything. Um, in particular, the Presbyterians, they laughingly call themselves the frozen chosen. So there's also not a lot of like emotionality. <laughs> it's kind okay. of funny. Yeah. Um, and so it's just, I was still a very devout Christian when I met my husband and like really until this past year, like really still steeped in Christianity. And it really was some of these things that just, for me, being studying the Bible all the time, like listening to that doesn't feel like the most helpful thing for me personally in my downtime. But like, I love being there and hearing a different way to interpret the Bible and be like, oh, this doesn't, this, this story that I was told this one way, oh, there's another way to interpret it. <laughs> and it's not just my husband is like from all these different commentaries, from all these different people and pastors and whatever. And, um, that is really healing. And being in a place that um, I can have whatever beliefs and feelings I have and it's okay, even as a pastor's wife, it's like incredible. So it's not like I go around advertising, like these are all my beliefs, right? But I feel good about being in this community that is loving God and loving others. And the places for me there are one just I love that my kids feel free and safe in church and like they mm. love being there. And that is really important to me that they have a taste of this type of Christianity and then they can decide what they want to do with that. But like at home, um, for me, what resonates the most is when we pray, I say, thank you, Father God and Mother Earth. Like mm. I want to be able to incorporate both and like have more choices and um, not that one necessarily means you can't have the other. And like, even, you know, my husband never uses he pronouns for God, like always uses gender neutral ones. And I like that. I really appreciate. And that there's space for looking at these things. Like I was able to talk about original blessing and, um, some, other ways of looking at the Bible that are less oppressive and, you know, more life-giving and just other options to explore. Like we would anything else we learn about, you know, things and we think about it and to be able to do that there and be well-received. And that was just, that feels incredible to me. Um, instead of like shot down or shamed and like, you can't think that you can't do that. Why are you doing that? Right. This is the right thing to believe. Like there isn't any of that. Um, at least in the spaces that I've been and that I speak in and that I've heard and that people of across a political spectrum are there and love each other. And like yeah. that to me is like really amazing healing yeah. godly work too. <laughs> really powerful. And so unusual, honestly. Right. So, mm -hmm. well. Yeah. And it's been interesting as I've gone through my journey, I've connected with people in other spiritual spaces outside of Christianity. And there's often still some of these really harmful things just with different words and different frameworks. And so, you know, to be in a place where I do feel like it's a supportive, safe community, um, that feels the most important to me too. Yeah. Wow. That's really beautiful. Well, Catherine, as we finish up, where can people find you, especially, you know, if they want to connect, um, and, and maybe work with you and, and yeah, look at some of these resources that you have provided for us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the best way to find me is at cqcounseling.com. 
And I'm also at Catherine Queering at, um, on Instagram. Um, but the best ways to find me, I do most of my work in like writing in depth emails every week, but I do show up on Instagram um, as well. Yeah. And then I have all those quizzes and I have some, I have, you know, a course about moving from self-sabotage to self-compassion. Um, one's about trusting yourself again, understanding the systemic pressures, like free quizzes about understanding the codependency kind of stuff. So, That's and so awesome. there's a little, um, soundbite free masterclass on like just a little snippet of how to learn to trust yourself again, which might be really helpful as well. Just how do you start listening Yeah, and being present, um, with mindful self-compassion. I love that. We will put those um, those places to find you in our show notes and uh, link some of your free resources. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show, Catherine. Oh, you're so welcome. Yeah. And if anything there, I also have a really extensive resource page, but I'm happy to invite like anybody reach out to me and like just let me know where you're at and the next steps of what you need on your journey. Right. Cause I mean, there's just so much like yeah, across like yeah. such a wide spectrum. <laughs> yes. So I'm really happy to do that as well. If this episode was meaningful to you, please consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash deconstructing the myth so that episodes like today's keep coming.